we should try and get together before then so I can give you all your shit I've been carrying around. And give you your shit that I've been carrying. Guys, stop stop flinging shit at each other. Yeah. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the new World Cup stuff, U.S. Men's National Team jerseys, tees, scarves. Twelve nations have been added to the collection with more on the way. So get your stuff from there. ShopSoccerNoney.com today, and all listeners of this podcast get 20% off when you use the code THIRDDEGREE at checkout, 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E at checkout. Some exclusions may apply, but get that World Cup stuff. You know you want it. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans. Welcome to another episode, I am told, written here in crayon, number 178 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi. It is I, Peter. How are you doing? And via the miracle of the internet, your favorite recovering royalty, fan of royalty. I don't know how to say this, Dan. What is the best way to, what do you say if you are a subject? Your favorite English subject? Is, uh, is that the proper way of saying I, it? I guess, I mean, English is a subject at school. Uh, <laughs> you, you could just really say anything. Okay. Your favorite English man, Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. What's going on? You know, just kicking it. Old school. Okay, that wow. went somewhere. All right. Well, wow. we're zooming along here on the pod today. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder, third degree, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Uh, hi, Peter. Uh, given your personal love of corgis, I'm surprised to find that you're not more of a royal fan than you are. As I said last week, we applied uh, for uh, possession of her corgis, or some of them, or one of them, and we were rejected, and they ended up giving them to the uh, controversial son who's caused all the problems with the Epstein guy. There's a lot of, uh, you know, the Royals is not something I follow, but because it is a cultural moment, it keeps popping up all over various people sharing it on Facebooks or Twitters or whatever, and this seems to be a whole lot of controversy going on with that group over to me seemed like little bitty things like somebody wore a short sleeve or something and somebody didn't smile at the right time or somebody else didn't cry at the right time or wore the wrong color. I just can't even keep up with it at all. Uh, and it's just seems like a lot of melody. It's almost like a daytime soap opera to me. Well, Buzz, in a lot of ways. Buzz, if I, if I think I know you correctly, you are a fan of fantasy. Uh, yeah, like science fiction fantasy. Yeah, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. So, but science fiction fantasy is filled with all that kind of drama. I mean, literally, what we are watching play out is essentially the twenty twenty the twenty twenty two version of Game of Thrones in some way, the really watered down, nonviolent version. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose is it uh, that seems strong to me, but um, I suppose to some people, maybe maybe it is their fantasy, their their escapism, the royal family. I suppose. I don't know. I feel like we're talking you know, over soccer, so it's plausible right i mean you are english dan you should be able to tell us straight what's going on i don't know uh <laughs> put it in the context you know in the last like 50 years there was still the whole thing of 
you know, the Royals, if they were born and, you know, grew up and suddenly they, you realize they were left-handed, you tortured the shit out of them until they used their right hand. I don't I know guess. what that means, but okay. <laughs> well, I that suppose like Queen Victoria was left-handed, but uh, it wasn't proper. So, you know, so us us who used the devil's hand, it wasn't. You know, we're not good enough. Are uh, you a lefty? I am a lefty. No, I am right. too. No, wow, all three of us are left-handed. No, no, I'm right-handed. Oh, no, okay. I suck. Yeah, no, I'm normal. <laughs> Y'all are weird. <laughs> uh, not in this pod. You're the yeah, odd man out, sir. Yeah. I, I was going to say that uh, maybe it's because we have an Englishman and because we're, it's a pod about soccer. So I guess that's why the Royals will come up two weeks in a row. But it's not something I thought we would be talking about that much. <clears throat> Probably we'll talk about how I'm the only right-handed person in the uh, podcast from now on. That'll be. That's the rest of the uh, hour. Yeah. You guys want to drive Steve Davis off right off the bat? Oh, kids talk right out the gate. Let's do it. <laughs> So today, I'm, I'm assuming the two of you know this, they announced that Ted Lasso is being, that R- Richmond is being integrated into FIFA, the new FIFA I did. game. Yeah. yeah. And in it, they showed game footage. And in it, they either on purposely or accidentally revealed what the kits for Richmond are going to be in season three. And I'm not sure they shouldn't be the next FC Dallas kit, to be honest <laughs> with you, minus the cheddar yellow socks. Yeah, the yellow highlights and yellow socks make it an RSL kit. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but you I mean, can. Ju- the red and blue are a little bit different for RSL. But no, yeah, no. Definitely. But it, that, yeah. But I'm just uh, saying for a design with a red panel and a blue panel and white shorts and whatever socks you wanted to wear, that would yeah. be a pretty kick ass FC Dallas getup. Oh, it would be fantastic. I, I like quarters. That's a good pattern. Yeah. We, we, we couldn't have the uh, all orange away kit that they've got for season three, though. No. Well, that's what they had in season two. Is uh, is that what they're going to have for season three? Is the orange kit again for the away? Yeah, it's uh, one of the Nike teamwear templates, the collared one. All the uh, the kits all got leaked months ago when they mm. then when they were filming. Okay, well, I didn't know that. I just happened to see the game footage and and nabbed a screenshot of it, and I thought that was pretty cool so one nice thing about um if you're into the academy watching because they play teams of other different color schemes all the time they have to use a greater number of patterns than the first team does in terms of kits so quite frequently you'll see the academies wear the red top with white shorts and white socks which is a really nice looking look you know or even the white shorts and the colored socks from you know depending on who they're playing so um, some of the best combinations and some of the most unique combinations happen down the academy level, and it, it makes it fun for me. It's a, it was a big kit nerd to enjoy that stuff. Lucky kids. Yeah. We, we get stuck with the what – is, what is next season's jersey that will be switched out? The powder blue? Yeah. 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 Okay. Hmm. Hopefully they'll keep the powder blue in some capacity. I think it's a really nice change. It's not white all the time. You can have some white in it. That would be fine. But, like, as a primary color – a, a main color for your away the powder blue both has a texans you know sorry uh tornado connection and a texas rangers connection so there's a there's a vitality to it in terms of the local market uh and it's a nice light color and it's not white or, or yellow so it's so you know, if so. they went full in on the powder blue tornado and adopted the orange accents does that then become a problem yes no orange. I, re- I, I, I will uh, draw the line of the Tornado Association with orange, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that they would go orange, but, um, you know, because of the other team in the state. But 
uh, there certainly is a <laughs> that shall not be named shall not be named who do wear uh, in the past the teams that they've come their names and their history comes from have had some powder blue and orange um, but you know you can easily call that tornado color red and, and have it be red most red and the Rangers are red and the powder blue and all those scenarios oh, I yeah. think is a nice local mod for for a secondary color that you need to have no, I completely agree I just you know if they were going to go full in for that one like iconic one with the two like hoops mm. you know it's like you have to either go for the orange or you kind of have to bite the bullet and say hey we're not doing an exact because fuck orange uh, i say that as a luton fan jesus christ um, <laughs> i wouldn't want to go with that bar look anyway that's chicago's bit so uh, you know well, I, only one is i mean that's like the west ham the double like thin hoops Hmm. Well, I just I'm gonna vote for Dan's uh, HEB mock-up. That's the which one I think. She, which was white. I'd be totally fine with it. I thought that was a very yeah. nice looking secondary kit. It's and, very good. I I, I it, would take that in a heartbeat. I, I hope they keep powder blue. But the one Dan did is phenomenal. If that was what it was, that would be I'm very pleased. Maybe with that. they yes. could mix and match and make it a powder blue body with the darker blue sleeves and shorts. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Somebody tell Steve Davis he can come back now. We're gonna talk. Welcome back, Steve. Welcome yeah. I'll back. let him know that it's only five minutes of kid talk. Okay, you could throw it, you could throw it in the yeah. description or yeah, or well, I'll put it in there. Actually, <laughs> in the timestamp, yeah. in the timestamp, you can chapter it. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, since we last talked, Dallas did travel to San Jose. Uh, ended up uh, getting the re- a result there. I guess is the best way to say it. And I'm I don't know, guys. It's one one in San Jose against a San Jose team that had won their last two home games, but is sitting close to the bottom of the table. Uh, you were missing some parts, including Jesus Ferrer who wasn't feeling well uh, I, I I guess I should just feel that getting a result on the road is the best thing and should be happy about that yeah it's not a particularly uh, great performance as a team collective you know for all those reasons you said San Jose being halfway decent at home of late you know a team that's trying to guys are fighting for jobs you know they, I mean, it's I'm not sure like San Jose threw out their best lineup either no, but you know, and Dallas didn't either, and it's late in the season, and there's pressure mounting, and you know, again, you're down a man because you got a red card through partway through there. You know, one one on the road is a worse. There are definitely worse results that you can get there for sure. So, not inspired, but not the end of the world either. I don't think. Dan, what was your overall takeaway from one to one? Well, funnily enough, you should say, because until you said 1-1 draw at San Jose, I forgot there was a 1-1 draw at San Jose. (laughs) Um, No, it was uh, evidently not a memorable game. No, it was was absolutely one that we will not think, look back on and remember easily uh, this time next year. I mean, worryingly, the only thing that I... I mean, the thing that stuck out more than anything... um, other than Hader Obrian scoring, wow, amazing, been a while. Um, that's your uh, top scorer pick for the season, Peter. I know. <laughs> um, I was feeling was pretty good about it Drew after Fisher. two games. <laughs> yeah. so, Drew Fisher's officiating was just bizarre. Just, uh, I feel like he, he let way too much go, and then he'd get really nitpicky, and I think the red card was kind of, uh, was that all over? Um Oh, it wasn't an enjoyable. It wasn't. A, it wasn't an enjoyable game to watch. So you don't think Paul deserved the red? No. Uh, when they 
they showed the angle where it's kind of like they they catch the thing. They they, they do the, the quick catch. There's another angle that shows his hand was like a foot away from his head. He just kind of swats his hand away. I think uh-huh. if you're going to do that, you've got to punish the player that's got his hands all over him to begin with as well. I didn't see any re- I didn't see any replay where he he doesn't make contact. I just saw him throw his arm back uh in kind of a retaliatory manner and hit the and it appears that he hits the guy in the face or the neck or something. I'm thinking, okay, if he sees that on VAR, that's going to that's going to get a red card. It was weird to me because it was like, you know, we 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 talk about how, you know, they approved at every clip and they when they they even showed it from the monitor, they went for the furthest camera of the angle played it in full speed and it was like okay that's it when there were other angles available and other speeds available it would have shown all he did was flick his hand away he Hmm. didn't make contact with his face he didn't come near his face well uh he will be out for the next game and i'm assuming it'll just be the one it didn't look like it was anything so severe that they'll come back and or buzz do you have any indication that it'll be more than one no, I don't think it will be. Um, there was a lot of discussion about the severity of you know the attack, if you will. Uh, the, the thing I thought was most interesting about the whole sequence is that, that they then called the foul way back like at midfield. And so I was thinking, oh, if you've called that foul, then none of what happened after that matters. But a swing is still a swing, even if you don't contact. I, I, I can understand. I totally get what Dan's saying about he was pushing his arm away. But run a play, I thought, holy crap, did he just swing at him? you know, or flick his elbow or flick his arm or whatever. So I, I didn't have too many complaints about it. You know, this is one of those things where to me, he was getting fouled and grabbed and clutched and he got mad and kind of whatever back when you, whatever back, you're going to get busted and you're going to get that red card. So it's, so so here's my theory. We've seen two kind of, well, not kind of the, the Collins had one was a perfect tackle. Uh, I've seen two shit red cards uh, in two weeks. I think that what they're trying to do is pitch a pitch to Howard Webb. Please stay. We need your help. <laughs> yeah, they do need his help. <laughs> yeah. The, the the biggest takeaway from, from me on that bit, which I thought was really funny, was that the minute they actually did the VAR and then they were like, okay, Paul, it is a red card, he beelined it for the locker room. And I joked that he, his nickname is now Paul. I'm not going to get fined for not leaving the field in time, Ariola. Because how long is that did get fined for the week one, the week four? Because he argued, yeah. you know, I think it was, it was just such a funny. If he stays r- around, he probably gets in a fight and picks up a ban. Yeah, he might. It's just you know, at that point, there's a savviness to the Paul. At that point, he already had, was not savvy in the in that he swung out for whatever reason, and that's why you get the card. You know, there is another savviness there. He's like, okay, I got to get out of here fast, and he does that, and so that's you know. Uh, to me, that's interesting. Anything like that, a change in behavior where instead of being out there trying to plead a case, he's just like, okay, I'm done and leaves. <laughs> that's made me chuckle. Well, getting to the game itself, one of the questions that I have about Nico uh, is when he's faced with a situation where he doesn't have Jesus and he's forced to start Frank O'Hara. Buzz, do you think he's doing the right thing by sticking with the standard formation, the standard four-three-three, and not switching to something that maybe better utilizes Hara's plays to Hara's strengths? Uh, I, I personally think that Hara would be way better with four-two-three-one, or, or more specifically, a player underneath him in that zone, because when and when you look at the average position maps when they stay in the four-three-three, Hara ends up being behind the two wings because he's so stagnant in the middle of the field 
I think when he has a player underneath him, it pushes him higher, and he's not trying to fill the same Jesus role and come back. He stays high, and it works better. But this coach is particularly married to a 4-3-3 for whatever reasons. I think it has to do with how the wings play. And in this game, he, he we've seen an increasing trend of the wings, particularly Velasco, who's out, obviously, but a, a, a continuing trend of the wings on this team coming inside underneath in a false kind of manner. And in particular, in this game on the left side, there was an adaptation in my mind, and I think that his average position bears this out, of Farfan trying to play a more traditional get-to-the-end-and-cross role to try and take advantage of Hara. And I I think Emma was supposed to probably also do the same thing, but Obreon runs around like chicken with his head cut off on the other side and kind of gets in the way. So Farfan ended up with uh, the most key, tied for the most key passes and second in crosses and number one in uh, passes into the final third, you know, because of this adaptation. So there's a recognition that someone needs to be under Hara. And so rather than changing shapes, it was basically Areola or Legette or Paxton or probably supposed to be Obron, but he didn't do it trying to fill that space and make it work the same way. So they were trying to accomplish that without actually changing formations. Whether it was successful or not is, I would say that it was not So in the big picture, other than Farfan was excellent. And to me, what is a completely different role than normal for him? Okay. I was going to say, do you think it was kind of by design to have Hara players that kind of hold up old school forward where the you know the wingers or actually what seemed to be more the case like you say uh, was legit and paxton kind of getting forward pinching in and, and and filling in as the forward ahead of him that's what it looked like to me when i was watching that's what i think and i think you know particularly the left wing was much more narrow than normal because usually mm -hmm. we don't see farfan go to that end line and cross in a high volume. And he was doing that a whole lot. And he spent a whole lot of the game up in midfield. Uh, and his, his average position was higher than Ima, which never happens. Ima almost always has a higher average position than Farfan. I so I think right. that's a clear adaptation that they were attempting to do and to take advantage of Hara's uh, positive skills that he does have, which are not a lot, but it's that post-up game. They're also catching Paul Marie up out really high up the field, which I guess allows Farfan to kind of you know get some distance. And if you're going to go up that high, you may as well race to the end line. Yeah. So I, I guess the question I have, I guess I'm going to go back to this is is do you feel like Nico benefits himself by trying to force this? You know, retaining this shape and playing the being consistent tactically, even when he's forced with personnel changes. I think it's because he has a belief in this system and that his players have a belief in the system. And by trying to make an adaptation, he changes less things. When you when you change up to a four two three one and actually put a player in that zone, that eliminates uh, a whole lot of activity in that area, like. Think about the way they play 4-3-3 with Jesus. Jesus comes to that area and checks out. Velasco comes to that area and checks out. Ariola comes in there and checks out. Paxton, Legette, all the players around them, those, those, those five front attacking players, all go into and out of that space. Mm -hmm. And that movement is what creates a lot of the chaos and allows them to do good things in the final third. So if you, if you change that and just plant a guy in there, then all of a sudden none of that movement happens. 
Now, there's a guy that's there all the time, and theoretically you can do those same things, and Franco Hara does play better when that happens, but it changes the rest of the setup. So I, I think it's a question probably of it's this late in the season, I'd rather just stay with this way of playing because everybody else but Frank O'Hara knows how to do it really well, and this will change fewer things. And if I can just get Franco to understand to not try and be Jesus, just stay up there this time, and we'll get in there with other guys, then it'll work. Um, you know, I don't think it did 100%, but I do think Franco played a, a higher line than last time they tried this. Mm -hmm. I think I think he was better in terms of staying up there. Um, St. Louis' center backs are not great, so he didn't take advantage of it as much as I would have liked him to. But, um, you know, again, on the road, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Dallas did not pass the ball particularly well. You know, overall, they were down under 80%, which is not great, but they had and they had a little less possession than you would like at only 45%. But, you know, the bottom line was the whole thing didn't work. So I think it's only in hindsight that it's fair to say, yeah, you should have changed the formation, you know. But, again, as you point out, Peter, I'm kind of waffle on this because I, I, I going in, I would have thought for sure, yeah, change it. Because when we've seen okay. him not change it, it hasn't worked. So, again, it didn't work. All right. So what was – I just – because we probably should have started with some of this stuff. So Jesus's absence, at least for the, mo the majority of the game, was based on him being ill? Yeah, he's sick. Yeah, I had heard about it in the morning, and the, what I heard was that he was out. Well, I think the he was out of the lineup. You know, he was already on the road with the team. And you, you could tell by his performance when he came in that he's sick. He didn't have the energy. He didn't have the pop. He wasn't himself. You know, at that point, though, when you're on the road and they obviously didn't have an extra player, you stick him on the end of the bench, and then it's not going the way you want. And there weren't really a lot of options available, I guess, that made a lot of sense. You know, he was the best. He and Kamungo were really the best attacking options on there. He, he didn't have a Benny. He didn't have – he had Cervinho on the bench, was not an attacking player. And Sebling is only vaguely because he likes to dribble. I mean, Hedges, you know, really those were the only two attacking players he had were Ferreira and, okay. and uh, Kamungo, unless you want to count Nanu. So um, it's unfortunate that he got sick, like, on the trip already when he got sick. I don't know what kind of sick he is. I just heard sick. So um, hopefully he'll, he obviously will be fine, I'm sure, to go to the national team. All right, so San Jose wasn't particularly dangerous in this game, um, at least the way I recall it. But what I also never was quite clear on is, because I never saw a replay of it that I, I thought really showed um, the foul, what was the whole handball call for, the, for their PK in the 24th minute? I never, I never did yeah. see a very good replay of it's it. It's on Farfan. Yeah, actually. Farfan was my man of the match, but it's kind of one of those things where the ball's coming in and his arm's not in a good spot. He definitely is a handball. I mean, I, I didn't think there was any debate about it. It's, okay. So um, it came yeah. off. Yeah. Because it came off Tafari and hit him in the arm, wasn't it? I don't, I don't remember exactly who. It, it, there was three or four people in the mix. You know, the bottom line was it, it hit Farfan's arm relatively away from his body. It's not like it was one of these things where you could, like, go make a case. Like, when yeah, I saw it, it, it on tape, it's like, yeah, that's definitely a handball. It was definitely one of those ones, like, it's tough for him to get his arm out of the way at the time, but you're in the box, you have to be more careful. You have to yeah. know to, to you know, keep your arms down there. You know, San Jose had a volume of shots, 19. That's a pretty high volume, but they only got three of them on goal. So well, that's that's a very acceptable. Outside the box, Yeah, too. which is fine. Long-range shots are fine. Pause is plenty good enough. You know, it's just one of those long-range shots bounced off a couple of people and got Farfan in the arm, and it happens. 
you know, the, the bigger issue is the relative Achilles heel of this team, which by the way, is a great defensive team. They have a, they've got a very low number of goals. They're one of the lowest in the three or four in the whole of MLS. But when they do get in trouble, it's almost always in PKs or fouls right outside the box. There was another time shortly after that or shortly into the second half where they gave up a really dangerous foul. I think it was Paxson, actually, who made a really dangerous foul right outside the box that they had a good scoring chance as well. You know, that's those Achilles heels of giving up those two kinds of things are going to really cost you when you get to the time of year when big players step up. They're going to kill you with those free kicks right outside the box. But that's something they're going to have to clean up. Can we take a quick minute to have a conversation about the growing art of Paxton Pomacall's uh, self-defense when he gets fouls called against him, especially <laughs> like his like whole act that he puts on and like, what? I did what? What are you doing? And his facial expressions and everything. It's just, yeah. it's pretty charming. I think it's uh, it's a good part of his game, just like all the other stuff. I, I like how he's grown into that 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 aspect of the of the game. Yeah, um, uh, he had a pretty good game. Most of our, I lifted a little early, I think. You know, yeah, why was, does he keep pulling him out of the game so early? Well, I think it's – my assumption is that it's um, related to big picture management of minutes that he doesn't want to burn him out. You know, he's been lifting <laughs> all those skilled players. He lifts them all as early as he can, you know, in order to try and keep them because he knows the playoffs are what's going to matter. So um, I, I think it's – can play 90 minutes against uh, – Tigress. I, I I doubt that that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, well, who? Let me look at the feed real quick. Um, who came in for him? In Sebling. It was in Sebling. Yeah. Uh, again, that's pretty common. You know, and Sebling plays that same that same linking spot and gets forward aggressively. I, I think that's just a minute management thing. But, wh- you know? but why doesn't he take Legette off? Well, because Legette scores goals. He and, does. Yeah. Has he scored for Dallas yet? No, but he's got much more than Paxson does over his career. And and this season, Paxson has zero and Legette's got four or five, I think it is. Okay. So like, you know, if, if you're, if you're chasing a game, you're trying to win it, you think you have a shot, right? Again, sometimes it's just about fresh legs. You look over at the bench. Who do I have? Well, see, he's a better attacking presence than Brandon, and he's fresh, and I'm bringing him in. Okay, who do I bring off? Do I bring off Legette, or do I bring off Pomacall? Well, well Legette's the more attacking been, player, so I'll leave him on and, and replace Pomacall. It would have been nice to have, uh, you know, kind of staggered the the change with, uh, what's, his, what's his name, um, with the Jesus sub, not have it as a double substitution, kind of give Paxton you know, five, ten minutes just to try and feed balls into With Jesus, Jesus. Before, yeah. You, yeah. You, before you really change up the style of the attack and you bring in uh, Siki as more of a runner. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and later they go to Kamungo to try and get some fresh legs. And they even brought in Facundo for Edwin. I thought Edwin was having a perfectly fine game. You don't sub him because he's having a bad game. You sub him because, okay, I got a guy. He's fresh. Facundo is a relatively progressive passer. So, okay, let's try that. Let's bring him on and see if he can open somebody up. You know, it's well, just if, you're trying things. If Bernard, if Bernie struggles, you've you've got a bit of a safety blanket yeah. too. Mm-hmm. A little coverage, yeah. Well, it was, uh, I mean, look, getting a result on the road is always good, and Dallas certainly is uh, in fine position to retain one of the home games. Um, but with Paul's uh, red card, it does complicate things because uh, he'll at least miss one of the last two games. I'm assuming just one of them. But 
uh, you don't want to lose Paul. It means we've got now you're going to now you've lost Paul and you've lost Velasco. Uh, it, uh, yeah, because I my guess is Velasco's out until the playoffs. Have we heard any more about Allen's health? No, situation? the original was three to four weeks, so it'll either be you know he'll come back with one game left or or none, you know, one or the other. So, all right, let's play this out. I guess we can automatically go to the next game. Uh, if you're if you're missing Ariola due to suspension and you're missing Velasco due to injury. Uh, but you're going to, I'm assuming, Jesus. No, Jesus will, will Jesus be back after international? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but are you going to play him after playing? I guess it depends on how much he plays for the United States. You're chasing the, you're chasing the home games, you play him. Yeah, it, it'll be, I mean, the international window ends like on Monday, so it's not like he's going to have five days off before. Okay. You know, it'll be relatively normal. Okay, so you, know, uh, you got Jesus playing up top. Who will I guess Obreon on one side, and who would be the other winger? Well, at this point, it'd probably be Bernie, the new because, kid. Yeah, I mean, after the way he played in San Jose for those uh, twenty minutes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, he looked pretty bright. You know, he's does, got he, does he play goals. wings? Yeah, he plays wing. That's his natural position. Oh, I thought he was a straight up forward. A no, striker. He's, okay. he's got whatever it is, sixteen, seventeen goals from wing. Mm, okay. Uh, and and usually on the left, by the way, which fits in with where Obreon, you can play both wings, but it's more often on the left than the right. Well, now that I think about it, that's actually not true. He, they changed in North Texas a lot. He flip flops side, so he can do either one. You know, the other options are Benny. You know, sure, that's okay. Uh, Khalil, who's so far out of it that like, when was the last time you saw that guy play? <laughs> He's mostly been training as an eight, trying to find his way into the team. Yeah. Um, you know, I just at this point with the way they signed Bernie and the way they instantly put him into the 18 and now have instantly put him into a game, you know, it almost certainly to me says that he's going to start uh, in two weeks. You know, he'll probably go against Tigris, you know, to get some at least some minutes with the team. They won't want to go the full thing, but he'll get some minutes, you know, maybe half, maybe 60 um, you know, for the rhythm. And in this case, he needs the rhythm. He needs to work with the players. He needs to work with the team. So, you know, I, I don't know really. I don't really see any other options over there. You can put Legette on the wing. Legette does play wing. He did play there in New England. He likes mm-hmm. it underneath better. I think he works in that spot better. So that would be the other option would be, um, instead of Bernie, would be Legette on the wing and then move Paxson back over to the free roll and then put back in and Sebling or, or Brandon Cervania as the linking eight. That's entirely plausible and a legit alternative as well. I just think changing less, I'm always in favor of changing only one position instead of two. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm for me, it's just sticking to Bernie and see what happens, but you know, we'll so, see with this coach. So, I mean, so you think that, um, that Benny's likely to get the start then? Uh, no, Bernie. Not oh, Benny. Bernie. I was going to say, it, it seemed like, you know, he's, had 45 minutes against Nashville, but before that, I mean, he what, played 12 minutes total. So, yeah, no, I, def- I'm, I definitely agree with you there. Like, Bernie, he's had the repetition. He's been playing for North Texas, played the next day for North Texas. Um, yeah. You know, well, he looked, more, like a he, he looked more, more dangerous in the 12 minutes he played the other yeah. night than I've well, seen he, from Benny. He nearly Benny. got that assist on uh, Siki. Yeah, he's a good player. They play the same system. He plays the same wing role, can play both sides. He's a, as I said, stylistically, he is a vertical style player like Obreon. But even in that 20 minutes, you saw he's more capable of tight ball control, more capable of a tic-tac sort of 
pass and go kind of movement. You know, remember he's he's like 20 and has never had good coaching until like a year ago. He's played just high school ball. Such a crazy story. I know. So, I mean, his rise is remarkable. I think already he's the thir- uh, fourth choice wing after O'Brien is third, obviously. So Kamungo is now, to me, already fourth, ahead of Benny, ahead of Khalil, ahead of all those guys. Did uh, Was the club ever successful in getting any of the local TV affiliates to come out and do a story on him when they, when they signed him? Do you there remember? There were a couple of web stories. I don't remember if there was a TV story or not. Hmm. I don't remember. Hmm. All right. Well, I, you know, the, the Colorado game isn't until the 1st of October and it's a Saturday yeah. afternoon game. Uh, they've wedged this Tigris game in the middle uh, during the international break and which is a really weird, curious thing to do. I, oh, no, I think it's a great idea just to get people time. Yeah. This coach preaches hard the rhythm of play and every coach that's ever coached here has talked about that. Like, to sit around for a week and a half and not play when you have like two weeks left in the season, right. you absolutely 100% want a game environment on the weekend. You know, you give them a couple of days off, you let everybody get kind of fresh, but you want the rhythm of the game on the weekend on the Saturday. Like if they hadn't done the Tigris friendly, they would have just done like a North Texas inner squad thing or something, except North Texas has a playoff game. So they can't do that. So you had to find a game against a really good team. Cause it's gotta be, high pace, high energy, you know, it won't be dirty or anything. You're not going to get anybody hurt, but it's got to be something. It's mutually beneficial. I mean, yeah. a lot of teams are playing Mexican teams this week between the, the crap midweek friendlies and the regular friendlies at the weekend. Um, you know, you've got uh, the, their league last game comes immediately after the international break. Tigres especially, I think they had one player called up. That's a long time for players just to sit around and do nothing to ramp up for their last game and then the uh, the Ligila uh, tournament after that. This probably isn't ultimately all that important, but I am curious to know what kind of turnout they get for that game, the Tigris game, yeah. on Saturday. Tigris did advertise it to, uh, to then Texan fans. So, I mean, it's, it could be a big one. Yeah, so it I guess... It could be an away game for FC Dallas. Well, okay, that's exactly... I mean, it's a 5 o'clock kickoff, which is weird. It's going to be hot as balls. Um, I know they probably didn't anticipate that. Nobody did, that it would be 95 degrees on a 5 p.m. on a se- late September day, but that's what they're predicting weather-wise. But that is a little... I mean, that is weird. It, it, it's easy to see a scenario where there are more Tigers fans in the stadium than there are Dallas oh, yeah. fans. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. look at uh, Dallas Cup every year at the Cotton it, 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 When the Tigers fans turn out, they turn out. Yeah, this is a big market for Tigers. Dallas is, yeah. yeah All the Texas is. Yeah. All right, well. Um, I'm sure it'll be a nice. Uh, I, I would be. I'm, I'll be interested to see what the attendance n- number ends up being. Yeah, um, me too. Um, I, I would expect, you know, half of a game for the starters, you know, like a full switch at halftime or maybe shortly into the second half, maybe go 50 minutes, 55 minutes, you know, something like that. They, they want to get them a run around, get them to kick around, get a high energy, get going, but not, okay. you know, not, not a full 90, you know, it'll probably, you'll probably be able to sub the whole team. I bet you, bet you. The other big uh, league news this week, which uh, looked good for the club, was the under the twenty two under twenty two list was released, and number one on the list, really no surprise, was Jesus. 
Yeah, no surprise at all. <laughs> Even like uh, the article I enjoyed the most was the one where they went around anonymously and asked a lot of technical people on the league like what they thought of it, and almost universally they were like, "Yeah, Jesus number one, of course." That's yeah, that's no no question. That's pretty uh, remarkable considering he is a legit grown up through the academy pr- uh, product. Yeah, it really is. I mean, back to back years, honestly, of Pepe doing amazing things coming out of the academy and now Jesus doing it. I mean, we always knew Jesus was a good player, but he scored twice the amount of goals I was expecting him to. It's just a phenomenal performance on his part. And there's a maturity to his game, a focus to his game that has not existed before. He talked about his mental health this week in a story that came around. It's all terrific. His, even just like the idea of like, yeah, I'd love to talk to a sports psychologist and get my mind right. I mean, what? that's some tremendous discipline and desire on his part to do great things. I, I can't. It's super exciting. You know, in your Discord, Buzz, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of Buzz's Patreon, you can subscribe for like a buck a month or whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, Buzz will give you access to his Discord, which is a great place for discussion about the team. Uh, and one of the conversations going around in there, Buzz, was the the talk about, you know, the likelihood of how long Jesus will stay here. It's probably a little early to have this conversation, but one of the things that came up was this idea that, you know, there is a reality that Jesus, because he grew up in a family with a professional footballer as a dad and the travel and the how he got the family gets broken up by that, there is a scenario. Oh, let me also throw in because he's making two million dollars mm-hmm. a year here. Yeah. Um, there's a chance Jesus could stay here, even if he has a, a fantastic World Cup, unless somebody comes calling with some massive, massive deal. Yeah, I think it'll take some similar kind of numbers to Pepe, you know, at least in the same general neighborhood. Because as we talked about when Pepe left, you know, how much you're getting paid is a part of that, right? Like when you go to a team and say, oh, we're only going to pay you $5 million because you only pay the kid 100000 you know, you obviously don't value him. Well, no, they clearly value him. You know, his base is 1.3. So there's a there's we've made him a DP. He's the focus of our franchise. He's the MVP of our franchise. He's in the discussion for MVP of the league. Okay. The Hunts just made a bunch of money with Pepe, and they made money with uh, Tanner, and they made money with Brian Reynolds. Like, they've got plenty of money right this minute, and we're coming in recently. So, like, they're, they're not going to sell Jesus for pit, pittance. Even if he has a great World Cup, it's going to be like, okay, if you want this kid, you're going to have to pay because it's really going to dismantle things if they lose a second straight striker for $20 million. You know, it'll take something like that because Jesus signed a three-year deal. I think it's three off the top of my head. So there's, that shows a willingness on his part to play that long here on that amount of money. Will he eventually have ambition to go overseas? Absolutely, 100%. He's already said he does. You know, But he's also said that he wants to surpass the established legacy of his dad, and that means winning something here. So the kid's got something to prove, and I think there's a pretty good chance you're going to see you know, at least one more season, if not two more seasons, out of him here, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be this will be one to watch, and it all will tie to his uh, how he plays for the national team and the World Cup performance, and uh, it's definitely yeah. going to be a fun story to to keep an eye. Well, on. Well, we said before that nobody scouts a player at the World Cup; they already know who he is. But what can change is his profile. If he does great things at the World Cup, it'll raise the awareness of him. It'll raise the value of him in terms of non-playing things it'll make people more interested in him coming to their franchise so there's you can more able spend money on a guy if he does great things in the world cup so 
that's going to be a big bellwether for him if he does great things. It's going to change the scene, change the landscape. So all eyes on the World Cup for Jesus, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, Velasco is number seven on the list, and then yep. you, the, you. I thought it was a sweet buzz that you threw out there that uh, it was really unfortunate for Edwin, who just missed being eligible for the list by what, like one week or one something. One week, yeah. His birthday is like ten days, week and a half too late to be eligible, um, which is a bummer for him because if you if you look, I'm not saying he's going to be in top ten or anything, but if you looked down the list of 22 players, you get into the neighborhood of guys that aren't even full time starters. And Edwin is now a full-time starter for a team that's third in the Western Conference. He's, at the start of the year, was gangbusters, had a little bit of a flat part. He's now come back and won that job back and increased his level of play. And I think he's playing terrific soccer. I think he would have been in this list if he was one week younger, you know. But he's not, so he's not. And Paxton Pomegal's not eligible either, in case anyone was curious about Paxton wasn't in there. But big picture, four dudes that are really close to being in that age bracket of of excellent play is a really exciting core to have in your franchise. And you can even look beyond that core and you have Brandon Cervania and you have Chase on loan and Dante Sealy is on loan and Thomas is not playing, but you know, there, there's a, there's the continued joy for me of watching these Academy guys become the core of your franchise and make lists like this. I mean, Dallas has had four players be number one on this list. Pepe last year, Fabian Castillo in 2015 and Breck Shea in 2011. So the continued overall presence of Dallas and this kind of thing, I get great enjoyment from. And then um, uh, the other thing that this is really disappointing to hear. I, I saw you note this, that uh, North Texas is qualified for the playoffs in MLS next, and they have a game coming up but they don't have all their players yeah. because the playoff game is scheduled during when all these kids are out on national team duty. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Carrera is the big miss. He's there's been a lot of games where that dude has stood on his head and kept them in games or won games for them when he's been on um, their other keeper, uh, Philippe, who's this Brazilian kid. He's had a couple of good games, but for whatever reason this week he was missing. And so they started, um, Julian Eystone, who's 16 years old, and the other keeper on the bench was another academy keeper. So if you're going to go into a playoff game with not, no Carrera and apparently no Philippe, your other 20-year-old keeper, uh, Julian Eystone starting in a playoff game? I don't know, man. There might be. I don't know what you're going to do, but maybe maybe send Jimmy down. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a playoff game, right? You can try and win it or not. You know, I, I love that Eystone got a game. I don't know that I want Eystone to get a playoff How did game. he play? He was fine. I mean, he gave up two goals, but, you know, they got they got pretty dominated. Houston's pretty good, particularly at home. Um, you know, I, the, the goals didn't look harsh or anything. But, you know, he's 16, 15, 16 years old, whatever he is. You know, and, and the other problem is that their best player, their leading scorer, Camungo, probably is going to be with FC Dallas. He's probably going to be playing for FCD versus Tigris. And I don't know that he could then turn around and play for North Texas and be, you know, fit or fresh or ready. Right. You know, and so, and, and Mulatto, their big, their big cool striker from Columbia, who's a German, uh, a Bayern Munich interest, right? They like him that he, he, they've arranged for him to be here. He's with Columbia U 20 team. Oh, no. So he's not available either. So you're looking at like, <laughs> why don't you throw the U 19s out there? <laughs> I know like your two biggest <laughs> scores are going to be gone. Probably your goalkeeper is going to be gone. It's like uh, that's a tough, tough uh, uphill sledding you're going to have to do in that game. 
So right, just put the first team out, let the 19s take on Tigress, it'd be yeah. great for both. <laughs> yeah. So good luck to them. I, I, I'm going to tune in. It'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just going to, you know, I've, I've been a fan of this club for a very long time, but I'll be the first to admit that my uh, attention awareness level of North Texas uh, is pretty low um but my just my just kind of outsider sense of that whole thing since they swapped it from usl to mls next is is it super janky and unstable uh, the league like the the, yeah. the new league they're playing in and it's like why would anybody be interested in that other than the kids play the young men and kids playing it and their families i don't understand the fan attraction to to what they've turned this thing into in the last 12 months well it remains the best soccer being played in dallas other than fc dallas it's still better than anything else out there so while it's not while it's slightly worse than usl1 it is still guys that were um, you know, former academy guys or current academy guys or current homegrowns or current GAs that are down there developing. You know, yeah. these are guys that in the past would have walked in and started. You know what I mean? Like your, your number three overall pick GA would be starting day one for the Dallas Burn. There would be none of this go play somewhere else, right? So that team is pretty good and pretty entertaining if you'll go watch it because it's better. It's way better than anything else in town. Um, it's all exciting young guys. There's not, there's no Frank O'Hara running around out there. Everybody's a young, exciting player. So that's why it has value. All right. Well, I will admit there's some jankiness because some of the teams don't take it very seriously. And those are the teams that have two wins on the year, but the top four teams in the West Dallas is North Texas is going to play St. Louis city two. They don't have an MLS team yet. So the dudes that they've signed in anticipation of that team are all playing for their US, their next pro team. Well, no, so that I get team the, is really good. No, I get it. But why would the league schedule a playoff game during an international window? Oh, well, I don't know. What are they going to do, sit around for a week and a half and not play? I don't know. Sure, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, they probably didn't anticipate having guys get national team call-ups. But the thing is, is all the youth national teams all got together too, Yeah, which probably caught them off guard because they probably weren't anticipating missing – all these youth national team players. And it wasn't just them. I'm sure if we went and looked at Houston or the top four are Tacoma defiance, St. Louis and Houston on the, on the Western side, they probably are missing guys just like Columbus in the East is probably missing guys. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone's probably missing guys. I don't know who St. Louis is missing. Might be somebody, but you know, you combine it with their keeper, other keeper being hurt. And then you're apparently, I don't actually know that he's hurt. I just know that he wasn't there last week. And so I wonder if he's hurt. Sometimes it's tough to get information about that team, but okay, you know, it's on the road. So you have to watch it. I doubt it'll be the crappy stream because this is the playoff game. I'm sure it'll be a much better broadcast. I mean, I would make it so, but yeah, everybody tune in. All right. Uh, I don't, you know, this is going to be a short one guys. Cause I don't know if there's anything, is there anything else that we want to touch on or talk about or. Uh, the Academy started to play. I don't really have anything notes on that other than they've started to play. There's, okay. a, um, there's a couple of the guys that have been North, North Texas all summer have gone back to their club teams. You know, they, uh, as I said, the Academy did a bunch of recruiting and so far they're just wiping the floor with everybody they're playing. I'm seeing nine one four zero five zero five one. Lots of scorelines like that. They're not playing academy te- other academy teams yet. They're playing. Well, they played sporting, and most of them wiped the floor with sporting, which is 
Sporting is not as good an academy, interestingly enough. Um, hmm. I feel really good about the direction that's happening in the academy right now. I, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of interesting. I had a conversation with Nico about um, the off season, you know, and, and what he was going to be doing and, and how he sort of had a focus on the first team this year. And then come the off season, he's going to broaden his umbrella a little bit and start to pay more attention and be more involved with your North Texas and with your academies and, and even go down and work with the academy teams and, and try and implement the same, you know, communicate to them. Yes, this is the way we play, and we want you to play this way. And this is the this is the way the first team plays, and we're going to do some drills that the first team does, and try and create even more of a feeling of uniformity among, along the way. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. So I'll, we'll start to see Nico. You know, I'm paraphrasing all this, of course. Start to see Nico sort of stick his fingers into other part of the pie and, and broaden his coverage of the whole club more than just he has been so far the first team. So that'll be. That'll be fun watching over the winter as that goes on. Very good. Daniel, would you like to throw anything in here? Nah, nah. I'm uh, too afraid to break anything. Okay. Buzz, I last call? Thing. Yeah. Okay. Andor is phenomenal. Oh, okay. I've read. Okay, <laughs> see, I'm. This is really weird. I've I've heard I've heard you say it's phenomenal, and I've read several people saying it's slow and boring as as f. So I'll have to watch it for myself. Well, it's not as slow and boring as the new Lord of the Rings thing, which is the Boy, slowest thing in the history slow. of the world. Oh my <laughs> god! Beautiful to look at. Slow yeah. as molasses going slow, uphill slow. in a jam. No, no, this is the Indy Five Hundred compared to that. I'm not sure uh, House of Dragons much faster, to be honest with you. So uh, it's quicker than Lord of the Rings, but um, Andor is. Um, I, I didn't. I, to me, I don't feel it's slow at all. I think it's uh, right on a good pace. Um, you know, it's it is a it's not a movie; it's a TV show. So it's got you know these long form TV shows don't they're not lickety split into the plot, you know, and there's no Jedi doing 30 flips off of skyscrapers and laser sword and an army to death, you know? So okay, it's got like a about 80, 85 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. So, I mean, it's, it's got a pretty high, man, I think it's phenomenal, but I'm a star Wars dork. So, well, you know, you know, shocking news. Shocking Buzz Carrick is a star Wars yeah. dork. Well, you Self-proclaimed. know me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I was born in 70. So like to me, Star Wars in 77 is like, that was my, like, I, I saw it 10 times in the theater and I was like seven, eight years old, you know, that's my, mm. the core foundational iconic social moment of my life is Star Wars in 77. So Buzz, I'm going to tell you, I think, I don't know if I've ever shared this odd factoid about me. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, but I have, I have shared this publicly, but I will, I think I'm going to share it with you for the first time. I'm a 68 yeah. Um and Star Wars was my third favorite movie of 1977. Boy, there were some good movies that year. I I am well aware of that. Yeah. My favorite movie of 1977 was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's a good movie. Yep. My second favorite movie was Wizards. I've seen that. The, yeah. The anime movie. Yeah. Or animated animated not anime. I've seen that. Animated movie. Yeah. Uh, and then Star Wars. Yeah. I was the one kid in school that thought Close Encounters was the better movie than Star Wars. Well, Close Encounters is a phenomenal film. And uh, I got shoved yeah. in a locker for it more than once, trust me. <laughs> I went and saw it. my dad and I went and saw that one. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good movie too. Yeah. I had to cover my eyes at the part where the 
<laughs> they're outside the house and the little yeah. boy opens the door. I covered my eyes at that part. <laughs> Granted, I was seven nope. or whatever. Yeah. God, yeah. that's such a good shot too. Oh, it's such a beautiful yeah. shot. If you haven't seen it, you know it's been it's been converted into 4K and all that, and it's beautiful. It's uh, it's so amazing. Yes. Yeah. That's Close Encounters is one of my favorite movies. I will grant you, it's way up there. It's just not, it's not foundationally core like Star Wars is. I know I'm a dork. Well, that was deep into my heyday of my fascination with alien visitation, and Star Wars was fantasy. Mm. Alien, you know, uh, yeah. Close Encounters was like, man, when are they going to come visit me? Yeah, <laughs> I want yeah. that to happen to me. Do you remember the first movie you ever saw? Not to get sidetracked, I remember mine, and it wasn't either one of those. Do you remember what your first movie was? Yeah. Oh, mine is uh, Fantasia. First movie I ever saw. That's a really good question. I'm sure if I thought about that long enough, I could tell you, but I don't remember off the top of my head what that would be. Yeah, my parents took me to Fantasia. That's my first movie I ever saw. Huh? Did they have movies back then in England, Dan? <laughs> Sorry, I fell asleep. What did you say? Dan's not a Star Wars guy. No. <laughs> we should write in that Steve Davis can can skip minutes two through seven, and Dan just skipped yeah. minutes forty eight through fifty one. <laughs> the degree of the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the new FIFA World Cup arrivals, including U.S. Men's National Team jersey scarves, tees. Twelve nations have been added to the World Cup selection. With more on the way, shop Soccer90.com today. And as you know, all listeners of this podcast get 20% off with code THIRDDEGREE. That's the number 3RDDEGREE at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. All right. Well, very good. Uh, we will, let's see. So uh, I, I guess there's a, the, the thing on Saturday with Tigris and all of yep. that. And we'll just kind of let hope everybody stays healthy and get, you know, just keep our, uh, keep everything on an even keel as we get ready for the playoffs. Cause I haven't quite figured out yet who I want Dallas to play in the playoffs in round one. I don't, I don't, maybe we should save that for next week since we yeah. won't have much to talk about. Well, let's definitely save that. Cause we'll have Tigris in the North Texas playoff game. Let's talk about All right. Deal. It's a deal. Dan, thank you very much, my friend. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Buzz. Of course. Thank you. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week and discuss maybe who we would like most to see Dallas play in the playoffs on the next edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Sorry about Star Wars talk. Ooh. Woo. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, Third Degree Net Twenty-five, twenty-five long hard years, yeah. Buzz Carrick, yeah, the man, man. Twenty-five years, you better be giving this man at least five dollars a month. Patreon third degree, come on, pay the man. It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much. Hey, come on, it's third degree old bust, yes. Give the man some mother f- money, hey. Third degree, third degree, never care.